This is episode 66 of the SBP podcast, The Voice of Mobile Film, and I'm your host, Susie Botello. This episode is the story of Moondog Labs from the perspective of founders Julie Justenberger and Scott Cahill. We go to Rochester in New York to share their story with you. Their story is genuinely inspiring because from Sean Baker's Tangerine to Steven Soderbergh's High Flying Bird, it's the pioneer of anamorphic lenses for smartphone filmmakers. Today is September 10th, 2019, and Apple shared the new iPhone 11. The Apple event is always welcome for many of us who like Apple products, but more than that, it's a chance to see how the video camera is progressing in the iPhone. But whether you're going to upgrade to the new iPhone or not, one thing is for sure. If you're a good storyteller, you don't need the latest model of a smartphone to turn your story into a great film. Feature or short, a great film with a great story will live on in the people who experience them forever. So make your film and share it with the world. Oh, and by the way, we're still open for film submissions at the International Mobile Film Festival in San Diego. We accept shorts and feature-length films. So go to our website, internationalmobilefilmfestival.com, to get the details and the deadlines. But let me not waste any more of your time. And let's go to New York and talk with our guests at Moondog Labs. Everybody, welcome to the SBP podcast. I have two wonderful people uh, with me. Um, they're actually in New York, um, and I'd like to introduce them both to you. Now, if you use or if you dream about making movies with your phone, you may have heard of them. Uh, they are Moondog Labs. They are uh, Moondog Labs is in Rochester in New York. And I have here the two founders of that, Julie Justenberger and Scott Cahall. Hi, guys. Hi, great to be with you. Glad, to, glad to be glad that you're on the show. Um, I know that this is a real treat for our listeners. Uh, usually you have the people who are making the films and people who are in front of the camera. Uh, but it's really nice to get uh, your perspective in this and to share a little bit about your lenses because you guys are pioneers, aren't you? That That's right. We were um, very early, the first ones out into the mobile filmmaking space that were really focused on filmmaking, um, more so than photography. If you don't mind me asking a little bit, um, what I would like to share with our listeners, first of all, is is a little bit about why Moondog Labs has such a wonderful reputation and what a little bit about what um, anamorphic lenses do for a mobile filmmaker. And then I'd like to talk a little bit about how you guys started your your company, because I think your backstory is pretty interesting, especially with some of the earlier 
feature films that were shot on the iPhone that really elevated mobile filmmaker, uh, mobile filmmaking, I should say, into our world, right? Mm-hmm. Great. I'll let Scott jump in here because he's he's got the the uh, the start of the story. Okay. Sure. So <laughs> I'm not quite sure where to start. Let's see. So we. Um, we started the company, Julie and I did, in 2013. Um, our backgrounds are, are really from uh, the, primarily from Eastman Kodak, where we both worked as, as optical engineers and, and designers. Um, I had started uh, a consulting company um, about a dozen years ago and uh, grew that to uh, a handful of, of designers, primarily people that I worked with at Kodak. Um, and we did that for about five or six years, uh, and then basically came to the conclusion that we wanted to do some projects and some products of our own. Um, so I gave Julie a call who, who I had known from Kodak, um, and pitched a couple of ideas to her. She has, uh, quite an interesting background that I can let her talk about in a bit here, but, um, in the end, we settled on doing something. Uh, we, we know we wanted to do something unique, um, and we were both quite interested in filmmaking in general, primarily because of our background at, at Kodak. Um, and uh, I had been I had been seeing a lot of uh, a lot of interest in in anamorphics for DSLRs, uh, and and it was kind of an interesting kind of dynamic time back six or so years ago um, on, in the development space for that. And we had done, my design group had done uh, design work for mobile phones for um, quite a few years prior to that. So we had a really good feeling for um, what's inside of the phone, the camera that's inside of your phone. Um, so we, we felt pretty uniquely qualified to design uh, lenses that attach on the outside uh, that would work well with phones. And, and, uh, it was really, really the combination of seeing this, this pretty, pretty active interest in anamorphics in general at the time, as well as our, what we felt was pretty uniquely qualified backgrounds, um, in, uh, in mobile that kind of led us down this path of trying to do something anamorphic, uh, for your mobile device. And, um, I have a- I have a quick question just sure. for some of our listeners who may not realize what anamorphics are. Sure. So um, a, typical, uh, a typical phone, if you're, if you're shooting in video mode, will have a 16 by 9 aspect ratio. Um, what an anamorphic does is it will expand the camera's field of view, but it only does so in the horizontal direction, which is kind of unique. So a typical wide-angle adapter would, would expand it in both the vertical and, and horizontal direction, and, and uh, but you still, at the end of the day, have the same aspect ratio. With an anamorphic, it really uh, effectively expands your field of view in the horizontal direction to increase your aspect ratio from, for example, 16 by 9 to something like 2.4 to 1. So it, it really gives a much wider feel to uh, your footage. And, and this is something that, that you see pretty often in feature films. 
but it's not something that you can readily do, or at least you couldn't at the time, um, with your mobile device. You really, your only option at the time was to capture in 16 by 9 and simply crop the top and bottom of your image. So this was sort of a, a new way in the mobile space to give your, your footage a, a really high-end cinematic look. And you also mentioned that you were working with uh, mobile phone camera technology or something earlier? Yes. What, yes. Was, what was that about? Well, so I can't, I can't talk about a lot of that, but right. since my time at Kodak, which was now over a dozen years ago, um, I and, and others here have been designing the, the prime lenses that are inside of your phone. So if you, if you, if you watch you know, various, uh, you know, for example, an Apple event, sometimes it'll show sort of a cartoon image of the lens stack that's inside of the phone. Those are the kinds of things that we've done a lot of work on. So those are, those are typically all plastic designs, and they're uh, maybe six or so lens elements, six or seven elements in there. And they're really very complex designs. I'm not sure that, you know, that's that probably most of the world appreciates how challenging those can be. Um, but, um, but we've done a lot of that work um, over the past dozen or so years. Wow, that's interesting. Um, and Julie, how how did you how did you decide? I guess I I kind of wonder also what brought you guys together. Um, you know, I'm imagining that at Kodak there were probably quite a quite a big number of people working there. But what specifically made you guys make that connection and uh, go off in your in your own uh, venture, basically? Sure. So I think that Scott and I did work together in the same um, division in the optical products division at Kodak, which was a central product development organization um, working on cameras and, um, you know, motion picture cinema and uh, blood analyzers, a wide range of products. And um, I had moved from that area into uh, the corporate venture group at Kodak and then um, was running a corporate engineering division that did a lot of early stage product development. And I think, you know, Scott mentioned reaching out to me after he had started his design firm. Um, I think, you know, we always felt like we had very complementary skill sets. We both came um, from a technical background, but I had moved more into the venture and, and um, you know, early stage technology development and commercialization business side of things. And Scott um, is a born entrepreneur. He's got more ideas in any given day um, for new products and new businesses. And I think, you know, I complement that strength that he has with um, business insight and, you know, how you can turn those ideas in, in, into a business um, and manage the operations there. So that's really where we, where we came in um, and came together to start Moondog Labs. That's so great. And that was, that was back in 2014 or 15? In 2013. 13. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because things, when they get started, they, they usually take a, a year at least, right, to to get it moving forward um, while you're planning. Right, and we had done a, a number of um, sort of conceptual 
um, development exercises. And it, and it was really 2013 where we created the company, um, as Scott said earlier, um, really honed in on this idea of a mobile anamorphic and, and prepared and launched that on Kickstarter. So that was really the start of it with a fair amount of work going in ahead of, ahead of that time. You guys have um, some movies. I know that when most most of our listeners or anybody on the street anymore, uh, I know when I first started this, I would tell people about making movies on their phones and they would stop and say, oh, you know, that's an interesting idea. You know, nowadays when I bring it up to people, they don't say that anymore. They've heard about it. And the first movie that comes up, guess what it is? I would assume it's Tangerine. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. T- Tangerine was really the film that that really gave credibility um, to mobile filmmaking because prior to that, it was as you said, it was a novelty. People did it, and it tended to get films tended to get a, a lot of attention because they were mobile films, and Tangerine got a lot of attention because it was just a good film. And oh, by the way, it was shot on an iPhone. Yeah, I re- uh, did you guys hear from, uh, that was shot with a 5S, am I right? That's right. Oh, that's good, because that's what I've been telling people. Um, when um, when uh, Sean Baker um, made that film, did he get in touch with you guys? Uh, um, or did you guys already have the lens and, and offer it to, to him? Or, well, you wouldn't have known about him uh, at the time. But how did that that work out? Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting story. I'll start it, Julie. Maybe you can finish it. Yeah, yeah. We, it's quite funny because we had, we had just launched our Kickstarter. And um, we had probably, I think it was maybe three prototypes three. of our lens. It was, mm-hmm. it was very few at the time. And... And Sean reached out to us and uh, basically pitched his film to us. I and mean, he said, you know, I'm, I'm shooting this film. Um, we're starting in a few weeks. Um, it's, it's in L.A. And uh, he dropped some, some names that um, we somehow didn't know at the time because we weren't really in that space so much. Uh, you know, Duplass Brothers, for example, who we should have known. Um, and uh, said, I really, I'm going to be shooting this on a phone, but I, I really would like to have a very unique look for the film and, and your anamorphics sound perfect. Is there any way you can send some to us? And, you know, we sort of, you know, looked look down at what we had on the bench and it was, it was three lenses. So, you know, we, we sent him, I think, two of those lenses at the time um, because it sounded like an interesting project, even though we didn't know a whole lot about it. Um, and then, uh, and, and then that was it for, for a long time. Right. Uh, Julian. Right. Right. So the, um, our Kickstarter started, um, in November of 2013. Um, Sean reached out to us very quickly during our Kickstarter. We sent him two of our lenses and then he shot Tangerine over the hol- during the holiday period, if you've seen it, it takes place, you know, at Christmas time, and in 2018, <coughs> excuse me, and then really didn't hear from him till about August of the following year. I would periodically kind of reach out and say, hey, Sean, how's it going? And um, didn't really hear much back. And then about August, he 
he responded and said, hey, really excited. I'm finishing up post-production and we're submitting to Sundance and think that it's, you know, it's very likely that that will be accepted. So um, and 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 they were and the film was very, very well received, got a distribution there deal at Sundance. Scott um, and I were there at the premiere and it was just fabulous to sit through the film. And then the very last credit on the screen was our logo um, and the fact that the film was shot on iPhone 5. And there was a, a an audible gasp in the theater when people realized that the film that, that they just had seen was shot on iPhone because the production value was was very good. Wow. And you had already finished your your Kickstarter and and everything at, by that time? Yes, we, we had uh, started shipping. Um, so our Kickstarter finished in December of 2013. And we had started shipping lenses in um, at the end of April in 2019. So we'd been shipping lenses for, uh, you know, a number of months um, before we heard back from Sean. And then, of course, um, the Sundance premiere was in January of 2015. Yeah. yeah. So we'd been shipping lenses for months um, before Sundance um, and that premiere where the, uh, you, you know, the whole mobile anamorphic just got uh, really a lot more attention. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that, that was great publicity for you guys just as you were starting, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it was terrific. Yeah. yeah. And, and Sean, you know, Sean's been really great. I mean, he's, he's, he does a, a tremendous job of uh, uh, obviously promoting his films, but also he's very uh, gracious at, at mentioning Moondog Labs at, uh, at every turn, it seems. So we, we're, we're really appreciative of that. Yeah. Um, right after that, uh, I believe we were getting ready to do the, uh, 2016 film festival or maybe it was 2015 I can't remember because we do it in, in April so I think it was 2016 and um we had a call from movie maker magazine mm. Mm -hmm. and they did a cover story on smartphone filmmaking and I think it mentioned you guys it mentioned Sean and the Tangerine film and then it mentioned uh a few of of our you know, mobile film festivals, the, the pioneering ones, as I call us, and, um, and some of the filmmakers as well, um, you know, that, that were already, you know, making bunches, I should say, of, of short films mainly. Uh, but yeah, that really kicked everything off. And then, and then since then, um, then everybody seemed to want to give that a shot, right? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Now there are, I mean, there, there are all these, all, you know, getting an anamorphic uh, lenses, right? There, there's more than one now, but yours um, has the, I would say, prestige of, um, of having you guys who have this background with Kodak. And I mean, Kodak is, um, you know, they're the first with film, right, Scott? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we really, really Kodak is the one that brought it to the masses um, and, and really sort of enabled 
uh, the, the world to, uh, to take up photography in, a, in an affordable way. And what made you guys, because you have to, uh, the one thing that I, that I kind of believe in, at least personally, is that passion is, is really detrimental to, to, to the success of any project, um, especially if it's going to last, right? And um, for you guys, do, are you passionate about, is it storytelling, filmmaking in general, mobile film? Because this, this, especially back then, wasn't something that, you know, it's not like a pizza restaurant, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think for us, I mean, for, well, I'll, I'll say for me in particular, um, and Julie, you can talk about yourself, but I, I mean, I, you know, one of the things that I, I really enjoy and have enjoyed for a long, long time is, is uh, the creative process of, of optical design. And, and I think that for me, you know, I, I feel on some level a connection to, to film, filmmakers out there who, who you know, also have their own creative process to sort of create something new. And, and I think anything that, that, that I can do and that, and that we can do to sort of um, use, use our, uh, obviously, some of our creativity, but our technical skills, whatever we can to enable these other creatives is, is a really incredibly gratifying thing for us. So it's it's really one of the things that drives us, and and to be able to do that for sort of um, in a way that's that's more approachable and more affordable, I think for uh, a larger community out there, um, you know, is, is sort of icing on the cake. It, it feels really good, and and um, so I mean, it's 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 really in our DNA as a company. I, I would echo that too. I think that. What I find really exciting, more more specifically, it's exactly in the same vein that Scott was just describing, but um, is the the challenge of really taking what we know, which is imaging and optics specifically, and translating what you know filmmakers and photographers want from the creative side of what they're doing and the stories that they want to tell, you know, which is just a different way of, of saying what Scott said, but, you know, to talk to filmmakers and, you know, they talk about the look that they're after and, you know, we'll use words like, you know, creamy and, um, you know, so, so as technical people then to say, well, you know, what, what do we need to do with a lens that will give them that look that they're after? That's, you know, the most fun challenge that we could possibly have. Yeah, because you're turning a vision, literally a visual vision, right, uh, into into a reality for us. Exactly. Uh, you were saying you're saying creamy and I, I kind of laughed a little bit because it reminds me of the you know, people making fun of the shampoo commercials. Um, <laughs> but there's a, there's a smooth, there's a smooth look to, I, I don't have your lenses, but there's a smooth look to the cinematic films. And most people talk about that with, you know, the number of frames that are used, you know, 24 frames per second or 25 um, and versus 30 or 60 or, or something like that. But the, would you guys mind, uh, or or maybe this is a Scott question, um, 
clarifying that a little bit with um, why it's not just frame rate, but also the lenses, the anamorphic lens that can really bring the quality of cinematic value t or cinematic look to your film? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that, that a lot of, a lot of filmmakers talk about is um, the, the sort of pluses and minuses of modern digital imaging. Um, you know, modern digital cameras, you know, even in your phone, are really quite excellent these days. But they're, they're almost excellent to the point where they're boring, um, where they're somewhat sterile. And they, um, it's, it's really hard to get much differentiation between, um, you know, two, two pieces shot on, a, on the same camera. And in the case of phones, I mean, there are, there are, there are many, many millions of people out there with phones who are shooting videos. Uh, and uh, to, to get something that looks different and, and that looks, you know, quote, cinematic, which is, you know, my cinematic people, people typically are, are referring to what they've seen shot on, on film. Um, you have to do something different. And um, some people refer to lenses as the sort of the new emulsion. I mean, in the, in the past, you could change the film stock uh, to get a different look. Now, um, you, you can change a lens to get a different look. And, and that's, I mean, you could do that before, of course, but, but it, it's become sort of, you know, one of the more primary levers now, I would say, than, you know, I mean, you don't, you don't swap out a sensor in your camera, uh, but you can swap out a lens. So I, I think, you know, we sort of, as, as lens designers sort of took on that responsibility and, uh, and try to give something that, that looks and feels unique and that is reminiscent of something that was shot on film um, just because that you know in this day and age is is somewhat unique so um, and it's not always easy like Julie was referring to it's you you have descriptors from from filmmakers that that don't directly translate to design specifications um, you have to sort of do that conversion in your head and, and think about what that means um, from you know, for, you know, aberrations or coatings or whatever else, you know, vignetting, all these things and sort of piece together what that means in a, in a design and, uh, and use that, use that to create something that hopefully satisfies them. And, and, and I think we've done a pretty good job of that, but it, it was not an easy path. I mean, it, it took a few iterations and we, you know, we worked with filmmakers and, uh, and I, I think we ended up with something that, that people enjoy. One of the really cool aspects about mobile filmmaking, uh, one of the, th the things that I enjoy about it is is the fact that it appeals to the established filmmaker. I mean, you've got Steven Soderbergh and, and people like that already, you know, all over this. Um, but it appeals, it appeals to them as a challenge, mainly. Um, and it also appeals to people who have never picked up even a real camera before. Um, and not to say that the smartphone uh, is not a, a real camera when you're using it as a camera, but it's it's a phone, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so when you were just, you know, when Julie, when you were just talking about how people are saying creamy and for the look and things like that, so you're getting a variety of different descriptions and questions where you've got filmmakers who are established who know the terminology and they're able to describe 
and communicate something using the terms, and then you have people who know nothing about filmmaking, um, and then trying to describe, you know, and and communicate that with you guys. What's really cool is that with your lenses um, and a lot of these products, I mean, if uh, someone, there's a filmmaker uh, in our film festival two years in a row, probably going on three now. Uh, she's 84 years old now. Mm. Um, and it's amazing. And to, and then we've had, you know, children also. Um, there's somebody in my family who just turned five uh, last April who is a, a little vlogger. <laughs> you know, uh, and, um, you know, to, to say to people from both extremes, Hey, you can pick up your phone and just, just turn it sideways. I always like to do that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and hit record and don't worry about the technicalities right now. Just, just start doing it and you can do all that later. Um, to say to them, you know, also pick up these lenses from Moon Dog Land. And it'll it'll give your phone, uh, your film, I should say, that extra look without really complicating it because they don't need to know everything that Scott just said, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think you know one of the things we we you know almost all and many folks in their eighties, which is fabulous, you know, have the smartphone in our pocket, which has an extremely capable camera, and when we can offer something that used to be a very, very high-end cinematography tool for a very affordable price point, um, you know, people can take it and they can experiment. And and you alluded to it, the, the most critical thing is to start shooting and to really learn what works and, you know, start to refine your look and and start to you know, think about the story that you're telling. And so being able to give people that tool, you know, they don't necessarily have to know the whole history of anamorphic shooting, but they can start to shoot with it and say, you know, this is how, you know, these, these landscape shots look, you know, this is how some indoor shots look with, um, you know, a lot of action uh, and really start to play with it. And, and, develop their own language. Yeah, I would say it also does uh, free up the the traditional filmmaker from having to pay too much attention to the details, right? All the settings and too much of that and concentrate a little more on the story part, right? Right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, like you said, there are, there are two, you know, sort of two general classes of, of people who are shooting on phones. You know, there's, there's a... There's a group that, you know, they're just, maybe they're just starting out or it's all they can afford. Um, and then there's this group of, you know, really, you know, very high-end Hollywood professionals uh, who are also doing this. And, you know, why are they doing it? Well, I think, I think they, I think, you know, A, they enjoy it. You know, they like, sort of, they like the challenge of it. But I think, it, you know, in some cases it brings them, you know, sort of back to a, uh, you know, simpler times when they, you know, they didn't have to have a whole crew to shoot something. Yeah, I've had uh, one of our one of the sponsors for our film festival here in San Diego is also a filmmaker, and he started out when he was, um, I think he said he was eleven or eight or something like that. With the well, I think he was twelve, and where I'm picturing the eight is from the eight millimeter camera, just mm-hmm. how he sure. started yeah. out. 
And uh, wanted to mention, um, you know, Blue Moon, right? Uh, Steph mm-hmm. Harris, who was in that same game. Yeah. Yeah. He, he surely did a, an amazing thing with Blue Moon. Um, how did that, because I, I just have to, you know, I idolize these guys. Um, I love, I love the fact that they made that film, but I also love the fact that they're so, uh, willing to connect with the, the mobile filmmaking community. Um, because I know that they, they will jump into the conversation. They're willing to, uh, to actually, you know, just interact with everybody more than any of the other filmmakers. And, uh, they, they don't call themselves Hollywood actors or filmmakers, but they're, you know, they're just right there on that edge. Right. Uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, I think the, you know, they're, they're total professionals, right. And, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're top-notch actors and, you know, they've been in, they've been in some, certainly some large budget features, but they're, you know, this was, I think, you know, I mean, obviously you've spoken with them, but I, mean, I think this for them was, was kind of a, you know, it was an interesting story for one, uh, the Steph wrote. And I think it was, um, one of those things that I think lended itself well to a, a pretty short, uh, shoot. And, um, I, you know, they, I think they, what they did and, uh, in pretty short order of putting this together was, is quite incredible. Um, and, and yeah, it happened to be shot on a phone. Yeah. And, uh, one of the things that I mean, I know for Ryan, I think it was the first time he shot a, a feature film, you know, uh, period. So for him to be willing to, to run, <laughs> go from making shorts to, um, to feature films using that. I think part of the confidence that they had was also in, because they did some test shoots and they used, um, they used your lenses for that. And they, they saw that, Oh my God, look at what this can do. Do you have anything to, to add to, because I wanted to talk about your, your products, but do you have anything to add about the actual, uh, the filmmaking aspect of this for you guys? Um, I guess the only other thing I would add, you've you've touched on a number of the benefits of of mobile filmmaking and and really, um, you know, from people who have very little experience to people who, um, you know, have been honing their craft in Hollywood for decades. But I, I think the other thing that people really talk about, and Blue Moon is a good example of this, is mobile can also just make a film. Um, much more accessible, right? You know, you can shoot with a mobile phone in a way and with a cast um, that's much less intimidating. And and it's also, you know, we can think of projects where people have just had lots of fun with things you could only shoot with a small camera, you know, sticking the camera inside a wine glass or, you know, doing just goofy, crazy shots that you just can only do. Oh, or sneaking it into Disney World. <laughs> What's that? As it or sneaking it into Disney World. <laughs> right, right. Or, or or on a bus, and you know right. everybody doesn't realize you're shooting, you know, a major film because you're just another person running around with your phone in front of your face. You know, I think that's that's something that's really appealing to 
because there's I don't want to forget. So there's the Hollywood filmmakers. There's the the complete novice who has n- no no experience in this, and then there's the middle ground people, which are the independent filmmakers, right? Um, right. And a lot of them, um, you know, they're sort of in the middle. So they've got these wonderful films, but a lot of them get involved with gorilla, not gorilla, but gorilla filmmaking. Um, and for them, this really opens up uh, that platform for them, where I think right. for them, they're probably thinking about it um, and doing it more, which is I think there are more independent filmmakers, traditional independent filmmakers making mobile films than Hollywood filmmakers. But I see these three lines, you know, like a tripod, right, Uh, sort of coming together um, in the future. What do you guys think about the future of mobile filmmaking? I I think it will continue to grow. I think that um, people are very comfortable with the fact that mobile films can be very professional um, films and can get distribution and it's not gimmicky. Um, I think that it's increasingly seen as another tool. So, you know, you've got the action cameras, you've got, um, you know, a, a wide range of cinema cameras from digital SLRs all the way up to, you know, the thousands of dollars. And and people are comfortable mixing those on a shoot. Um, so there's it's just become part of the spectrum of what people have access to. Do you guys see, um, you know, the, big, the biggest thing, because you guys are, I mean, if I'm going to take advantage of this discussion, I might as well do it now. Um, basically you guys know about the optics of all this stuff, but what, what would you say would be the future of, you know, the depth of field with the small lenses? Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I believe in magic in that sense, right? Like if, if people, if enough people for, for a long enough time after so many, uh, successes, right? So many points down the line that they're reaching, there's going to become a point where you can have a small lens, reach that depth of field. I believe that. What do you guys think about this, this belief? Well, so, um, I disagree (laughs) in the, in the, in the physics sense. Um, but there, there are a lot of tricks out there that people are doing with, uh, computational imaging where you can have, you know, typically, typically it's done with multiple cameras, uh, and you can effectively mimic that look. Um, so it, it may it may be two or three or more cameras that all have tiny sensors, um, but those cameras are um, spaced apart on your phone, and you can effectively create a large synthetic aperture to mimic a larger format sensor and a larger format lens. Um, and and I mean you see Apple doing this, and you see many other companies doing this. You see you know there's a company called Light you, you may have heard of that is doing this. Um, so the technology is there. It's really, um, fairly computationally intensive now. So you see it primarily in photography more than filmmaking, but I think, I think that's the direction it's, it's going and, and will go. Um, and, uh, and I, and then, and then sort of the, the line gets blurred even further, so to speak, um, between 
you know, these sort of ultra compact uh, devices that have an array of cameras in them and then one that's physically much larger. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of an interesting thing that's going on right now. It's a very dynamic time for computational imaging. So it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see what Apple does here shortly with their, uh, with their newest phones coming out and, um, uh, and, and of course the rest of the industry, they're not the only ones doing this. You have anything to say about that, Julie? Um, just that I, I absolutely agree. Um, I think that the, the physics as Scott described of the, the cameras are going to have some limitations and we've already seen mobile phones going to these um, multi-camera systems and doing things computationally. And that's really from a physics perspective, the only way to get some of these effects in the sort of uh, form factor that is acceptable in a mobile phone. Wow. That's, that's awesome to hear, though, because in the end, what matters the most is is that look, regardless of how you achieve it, right? Right. Sure. That's amazing. Um, so what is the future? Um, before we talk about your products, because I really want to talk about them, but really quick, what is the future of Moondog Labs? I know you guys are, um, you also have products for for different cameras, not just smartphones. Um, smartphones was the first one, right? Yes, absolutely. For us. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I don't know, Julie, do you want to take this or? Sure. So, um, you've probably seen some of our recent, um, products launched to attach our anamorphic lenses to action cameras, specifically the Sony RX zero. Um, you know, based on feedback from our customers, we're always listening. And, you know, we heard as, as we were both just talking about a few minutes ago that people really want options across a range of camera platforms. So that's, um, you know, that's definitely a direction where we're headed to support a wider range of, of cameras beyond uh, just mobile phones. That, that's really good. I myself personally, I get very, I become loyal to a particular company. Once I like a company, I just want them to make everything for me so I don't have to go to another company. So that's Mm -hmm. good. I think that you guys are doing that because of the other thing of what you just said, which is that people are using multiple devices for one particular um, story or film, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um. I want to talk about your, pro- well, I want you <laughs> actually to talk about your, your products. So you have the anamorphic lenses, um, for the, for the iPhones, but they're also, do, do they work also for Android phones or just for iPhones? Do you want to talk about uh, this? Sure. Yeah. So we have, we have, um, really what it comes down to is, uh, is the mounting system. So in, from, from an optical perspective, they, they certainly work on, on iPhones and, and Androids. Um, we have some that are dedicated to particular models of iPhones. Those are sort of the, uh, where we started, and those are the kind of easiest and simplest to, to use. Um, and then we have a series uh, of options for um, people to use dedicated cases um, so you can have one lens and use it on multiple phones. Those are typically for iPhones. Um, and then we have another version of our lens that 
has a, a larger um, 37 millimeter thread on the back, and there are a range of rigs out there that uh, uh, that people can basically pop any any phone they want into, and then attach our lens to it. Oh, that's pretty cool. And so, so you have the lenses, and then you also have. So when when someone buys, let's say, you know, I have two. I have the XR, which is my my phone phone, but mm -hmm. then I have the 6S, which I use when I really want to get down with the <laughs> with making videos. Mm -hmm. um, and for let's say for those two phones, uh, you can buy the anamorphic lens for each one of those phones do you need to does it come with mounting systems or or not so for the 6s we have a, a lens that is dedicated to that phone um, and it essentially clamps over the edge of the phone ah. so that's 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 sort of a all-in-one contained system that clamps on securely and you can just go out and start filming um, for the 10s or 10R, 10R you said. Yeah. Um, for the 10R, it's uh, we don't have one that clamps on because um, ever since Apple filled the entire uh, back side of the phone or front side of the phone with a screen, um, we didn't want to cover any of the screens. So um, we have a case that, that goes onto the phone and you would basically attach the lens to the case. Um, so, so those are two options for those particular devices. You could also take either of those and put it in a rig um, with a 37 millimeter adapter, uh, screw our lens on, and, and use it with either one of those, the same lens. But then you go filming and you really get a lot of good attention with that, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's certainly more noticeable when you have a rig, uh, you know, a full rig. Even, even a mobile rig is um, more noticeable than just having a phone by itself. So, um, so it's it's noticed. I mean, that's if you if you look at any of the like the behind the scenes footage from uh, High Flying Bird uh, with the uh, Steven Soderbergh film, that that's very uh, there's there's some very clear shots where he's holding a ring um, that has one of our lenses mounted on it. Yeah, and you know with the stabilizers, and I I know that you guys work with those as well. Um, yeah. You have so when you're using a gimbal, also you got you guys have their the the counterweights. Um, had I not seen that on your website, I wouldn't have even realized that. Oh my gosh, that's right. You you might need that if you're attaching lens, right? Yeah, most of the gimbals out there are 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 flexible in some ways, but they they weren't originally designed to accommodate a, a lens. Uh, you know, and that really throws things off. And, and um, depending on the phone, it may throw it off to the point where it really just won't work. So we designed a series of counterweights to really offset the addition of, uh, you know, of our lens or our lens plus a, a filter. Uh, and, uh, and those have been quite, I think, quite helpful for filmmakers. Mm -hmm. uh, what... If, is there anything that you would like to share with our filmmakers that's coming up um, that's not top secret or anything with your company? Any any particular product that we, we should let them know to look for? Uh, I think we can give you a sneak peek. We have, um, so in the next few days, we will be releasing um, a, a way, we'll just generally call it a way for people to attach um, 
our anamorphic to uh, GoPro Hero Set, GoPro Hero Seven. Um, so there are some there there are some uh, sort of caveats to that, but it's uh, I, I think for those who have a Hero Seven and already have our lens, I think it may be kind of an interesting option. Um, so we're we're excited about that. We will uh, we'll be releasing that within the next week or so. Oh, good. So it'll be it'll be ready before Christmas. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> that sounds good. What would be one message? Unless you'd like to bring up any other products or anything. I, I think that's an, probably enough of a peek into the future. <laughs> we, we've got we've got lots of other things we're working on, we'll but see, uh, we we have just have to be a little bit cagey. Okay, good, good. Um, okay, one question for our listeners um, because what you guys are doing, you know, we take. We take it for granted. I, I do presentations all the time, and I keep telling people um, not to go too far, too deep into all the gear and all the settings and all that. You just grab their phone and, and, and just pick it up and, and start shooting. But I always say, you know, and people forget, you, you do. Um, concentrate on the story. The first thing you really need is a story, because that's your motivation to start shooting. Mm-hmm. Um But, you know, it's almost like I feel guilty now because it's almost like, you know, it's great to have a story. But if you're going to make a film, you need the camera. And if you have a camera, you know, you do want your story to be as epic as as the story itself. You want that film to look great, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. So what you guys have have done is without a camera, really... uh, going back to your days in Kodak and everything, without a camera, we, we wouldn't be able to share stories through film, which is the best way to share a story. Um, and I say share because there's a combination of um, creating that story right into a film and then now with the Internet to be able to share it with the most people all over the world. Um, but what... What would be one message that you could give? Um, and I'll I'll start with Julie, and then Scott. You can you can say you know from your perspective. What message would you give to all the mobile filmmakers that are listening to this right now? So I guess if I if I'm going to start with one thing, it would be and just jumping off what you described. Um, absolutely, start with a story. But also, um, you know, get out and, and experiment with your tools because that will help you refine the story um, and, and think about, you know, how to shoot and how to express this story that you're trying to tell. I think, you know, we can all think of, um, you know, particularly shorts, which is the great place to start that we've seen where it's interesting, but um, it doesn't have a compelling message and story. You can tell the, you can tell that the crew had and the cast had lots of fun doing it and they might have some, some little clever thing in there, but it's unsatisfying. Um, And so getting that combination of um, the, the technical platform 
to tell the story. So, so developing those competencies um, really complements and enables the telling of, of the story because you don't want to end up with a, you know, sort of a, a cute technical trick um, and no story. But you also don't want a story that is undermined by poor execution and poor production value. So balancing those two things, I think, would be my my advice. Uh, what she said. Uh, I mean, I think you know, but I but I'll just add to that. I mean, I, I would, in in civil terms, I would say just don't be afraid to fail. Um, and I think everybody everybody's a newbie when they start out, and there's a there's a whole lot to learn, and there's a whole lot of mistakes to be made along the way. So the sooner you can you can just start doing things, the sooner you can hopefully you know knock out all those mistakes and get to the good stuff. Um, but you don't get there instantly. You get there by by trying and, and failing a bunch of times. And uh, and and why not do that in the sort of the the easiest and and most economical way, which I would argue would be on a phone. That's, that's awesome. I I agree with you, Julie. I think I think a story you do have to be sort of mindful. I, I if that's even a word of the of the message behind the story and take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, we're we've actually talked for an hour, believe it or not. Um, I I can't thank you enough um, for being a part of this and taking the time to do this, uh, especially on on your time zone right now. I'm really looking forward. I hope that you guys, if you're ever in San Diego, I hope it happens to be during the last weekend of April, <laughs> so, so you can. Uh, Come and be a part of our film festival. The other last little thing that I just want to say to you is that um, that the entire filmmaking community, from what I can see on social media and from what I've heard personally, uh, admires the work that you do. And your lenses are, you know, proof of the hard work that you guys do and put behind it your expertise with Kodak and everything you've done. Um, that's admirable. So on behalf of the mobile filmmaking community, I just want to say thank you to both of you, Scott and Julie. Well, well, well thank you so much. That's great yeah. to hear. Yeah, it's, that's what makes our, our jobs really satisfying. So, so thank you. You're welcome. All right, listeners. Uh, well, I should say Scott and Julie, say goodbye to our listeners. All right. Bye-bye. Bye now. <laughs>